to sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB Radio and Information Line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to ACB Family's presentation this evening on ACB Radio. We're glad you're with us. We also welcome everyone who's on the Zoom line. We want to begin by thanking the uh, the our host for this evening is Linda Yaps on the Zoom line and our streamer Debbie Hazelton on ACB Radio. Thank you all so much for helping make all this possible. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm president of ACB Families and we're going to bring you a very interesting program. We have with us our guest who is Dave Wilkinson. Most of you probably know Dave as a real techie guy who's usually around with the latest and greatest and all kinds of technology. But tonight, Dave does not have his technology hat on so much as Iron Man hat. And um, if you saw our promos, you saw that um, Dave is going to be about how he, the, the competitions for Iron Man that he has participated in in the past, um, how he's getting ready for another Iron Man competition, and also how he participates in these competitions as a blind guy in events that are not especially for blind people. They're just they're for anybody. And I think this is going to be a real interesting presentation. One of ACB's, one of ACB's um, uh, main topics this year is get up and get moving. And there's not much more that you can do to get up and get moving than do an Ironman competition. So Dave, thanks for being with us tonight. Welcome and we're going to turn the time over to you. Linda, would you like to begin um, telling us how to mute and unmute so that we can explain our rules a little bit and then Dave will begin. Okay, so if you are not speaking, and please mute yourselves. And to do that on your PC, to unmute and mute is Alt-A. On your Mac, it's Command-Shift-A. On your smartphone, it's in the corner under the mute and unmute button, whichever is you are, it'll be up there. And on your phone, unmute, it starts six. And when Dave is ready for questions, we'll ask you to raise your hand. And the way to do that is to do Alt-Y on the D, Option-Y on your Mac. Under the More button under your on your smartphone, there's a raise hand option. And on your regular landline, it's star nine. All right. Thank you, Linda. And... Dave, the time is yours. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Carla, and thank you, Linda, and thank you for ACB Families for the opportunity to be here this evening. Uh, I'm going to take probably about 20 minutes to 20, 25 minutes and let you know sort of how I got to this point of uh, doing triathlons and Ironman and such things, and then we'll get into questions. I'm waiting for uh, questions until the end because it's a little bit of a circuitous route on how I got here, and I think some of the questions may be answered along the way. Uh, I love your theme, uh, the get up and get moving. Uh, We don't hear anything suddenly. No, I thought it was me. (laughs) David? Hmm. The stream is still on, so it's Mm -hmm. probably a problem on his end. Work better for the computer mic? Okay, there we go. Now we hear you. We missed a lot. (laughs) Okay, that's okay. Your internet's going in and out. Yes, something's going Something on. with your signal. Mm. It's always frustrating when this happens. It is. Yeah, and there's never a warning. It I know, it's true. Hey, David, where's your iron? <laughs> <laughs> he's unmuted. I don't know if it's his... Yeah, I don't think he's hearing. I think it's an internet signal, sounds like. David, if you can hear us, maybe go out and try to come back in. It's a good idea. Yep, <laughs> I took your advice. <laughs> oh, there we go. I took your advice. Yeah, yeah, he ought to be back pretty quick. He's he just came back. He just is probably I don't know, Linda. Is he still muted? Or? They no audio connected, so there's still. Mm. Well, I'm sure he'll. 
do everything you can to work this out. Well, yes. <laughs> um, Carla, you might. Yes. You want to talk about renewals? Well, I can in the interim. Yes, while Dave is getting connected, um, I will say. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to our board members who are here, and to everyone else who has attended. I do want to let you know that um, the 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 membership process is still sort of underway. Family still has several people that we are hoping will renew for this year. We will be certifying our list to ACB at the end of March. And I'm very pleased to report that we are very, very, very close to that fourth vote in ACB. And that's the most that families will add in many, many years. So uh, if you're um, still you know, thinking about renewing your membership for this next year, the dues are $8 a year. And you can give me a call at 502-897-1472. Adam is the treasurer. I'm the president of ACB Families, and we'll be more than happy to get your dues renewed. Um, It's just real exciting that that Families has over 80 members now. Who would have thought three or four years ago when we only had 15? So it's it's very exciting. Uh, have we seen Dave coming back? He's still trying to no. trying to connect. I think. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I keep watching for him. He hasn't come back yet. Yeah. This is yeah. going to be very. <laughs> here comes here comes Debbie Green. Oh. oh, people coming. You are in the meeting hosted by Linda. Okay. Well, uh, for those of you that are just joining, we are having some connection problems. Audio um, Dave, it worked perfectly. Prior to our as beginning the stream, wouldn't you know? And and now he's having trouble with his stream to us. So I'm here. Yay! Good. Yay. Right. Good. We have the fastest internet in the universe, and it doesn't work. So oh well. <laughs> All right. So we'll and speed through some of this now that I've killed better. so much of my time. Yeah. So, All right. All right. All right. So my let's, apologies. Let's, and let's begin again. Um, All righty. Because we have a lot of new people. Fantastic. Well, good evening, everybody, and my apologies for uh, bad internet and all that kind of good stuff, but uh, it's a pleasure to be with you all this evening, and I love your theme of uh, get up and get moving. Uh, It's something, physical activity, goes without saying, is extraordinarily important in my life, but it always hasn't been that way, Uh, and I want you to, as we're doing this this evening, uh, one of the downsides of doing something like this is you're thinking, man, I could never do something like that. And you may never even want to do something like an Ironman. They're they're painful and they take a long time and they're expensive. But the more important part of all of this is just to be doing some sort of physical activity. So don't think just because you've got some guy here this evening who is doing these silly triathlons that it's something that you have to do as well. Uh, let's get the basics out of the way and 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 define an Ironman. Uh, it is trademarked. Uh, there is a company that owns Iron Man and all that kind of good stuff. So it's a, it's a, they have very, uh, they, they have very specific requirements that have to be met for something to be an Iron Man. It's a 2.4 mile swim, followed by a 112 mile bike ride, followed by a full marathon, which is running 26.2 miles. And at the end of all that, you go home and you try to go to sleep, unless you're me. And I couldn't because I was so amped up. Uh, that I didn't sleep for probably 14 hours after the thing was over and I was dead tired. Uh, but it was just one of those things where you were too, too amped up to sleep. Now, the next question that one would ask in something like this is why would anybody on earth possibly want to do something like this? And the answer to that question is a little bit more involved. And I'm going to take about 20 minutes to try to describe how I got to this point. Uh, because fit- fitness wasn't always important in my life. Uh, when I was in college and right after college, when I was in my 20s, I smoked as much as my asthmatic lungs would allow me to smoke. Um, I drank too much. And physical fitness was about the furthest thing from my mind uh, until I started a new job at American University in 1996. And part of that job was going to mean that I needed to I was going to be getting a new computer and it was going to be lots of technical stuff that I didn't understand. And I went to the ACB National Convention in Houston for the sole purpose of getting caught up on uh, current technologies so that I could have an office that was going to be uh, workable. 
And so in the process of going through that exhibit hall, I met someone who was with a group called Ski for Light. And if you haven't heard from Ski for Light, they're an amazing organization. They match up blind skiers and guides, and they do a number of events across the country and in some cases out of the country. And they have an international event for a week every year. And she made it sound really exciting and there was going to be free beer. So I went to the reception and uh, probably had a couple and got really excited about the thought and the possibility of skiing and decided that this sounded like something that might be entertaining. And so I decided I was going to go to Ski for Light and learn how to do cross-country skiing, which meant that I was going to have to get into a little bit of shape. And for reasons that made absolutely no sense, uh, I was in charge of a fitness center in the building that I worked in at American University. And uh, the, it was supposed to be staffed by students, which didn't work out so well. And I was spending tons of time down in the place. And I figured I'm, if I'm going to be down here all the time, I may as well start to work out. And so I started lifting weights and uh, running on treadmills and just sort of making up a training regime as I was going along. And uh, got into some semblance of shape before going to a Ski for Light event in the winter of, uh, two, of 1997. And when I finally got to ski, I'd been fantasizing about what it would feel like on skis and was worried if I was going to be any good and all this kind of stuff. And when I finally got out on skis, it, it felt like flying. And uh, it's still the most freeing thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, and I absolutely love skiing. There's nothing that comes anywhere close to, to cross-country skiing in my, in my book. But uh, I, and, and, and I did ski for a number of years. And I had a failed attempt to make the Paralympic U.S. Uh, ski team in 2002 and did a ton of skiing for a number of years. And then moved to Arkansas, where skiing wasn't particularly popular or doable since there was no snow and uh, decided almost randomly uh, in about in the spring of 2007 to do my first 5k road race uh, running race since high school. Um, the place I was working at helped me find a guide. Uh, I'd been working out on and off for the last few years and figured I wasn't in too bad a shape. I met my guide probably about a half hour before the race. And somewhere in between miles one and two, he told me that he did marathons and he thought it'd be really fun to guide a blind runner, blind runner through a marathon. And he asked if I was interested and I wasn't totally out of breath yet. So I said, sure, I'll do that. And uh, that began an eight year relationship uh, with Jacob Wells, who became much, much more than just a, a guide for me. Uh, we basically became brothers and we acted like brothers. Uh, we told stupid jokes. We went through a phase where we didn't speak to each other. Uh, we listened to bad 80s hairband music. Um, and we ran all the time. I have no idea how many miles we ran together. And when we ran, we would run with a tether that was just strapped around both of our wrists. And he would give me directions and I would follow them. Uh, and there, Jacob had no filter. And, and having two people that have no filters running together was beyond entertaining. Uh, and most of the unfiltered comments would be utterly inappropriate for uh, this broadcast. So we'll skip them for the moment. But we ran through sunshine, sleet, rain, hail, you name it. Because his mantra was, you could never tell what it was going to do on race day. And on March the 4th, 2007, I completed my first marathon. He completed his 30th. He guided me through the Little Rock Marathon. And it was amazing. Um, it, it was an absolutely incredible feeling to, to finish that. It also hurt like heck. Um, but that's, you know, no pain, no gain. And uh, Jacob and I kept going. We ran a number of races together. We did a whole lot of... We, we, ran marathons, half marathons. We would just, we'd run anything. Uh, we ran our last race together in March of 2013. Again, it was the Little Rock Marathon. Uh, I'm sorry, March of 2014. Dawn, my wife, and I had moved to Kentucky uh, in 2013. And I went back to Arkansas to run the Little Rock Marathon with Jacob. And it was sleeting. It was lightning. It was freezing cold. And it was windy. And it was awesome. And it ended up being the last race that we ever ran together uh, because a few months later at mile 19 of Jacob's 153rd marathon, he collapsed and never regained consciousness. Uh, Jacob had literally run so much that he physically, his heart 
expanded and got too big. Um, and it didn't connect properly to the circulatory system and it killed him. And his loss devastated me. Uh, there's still a hole uh, where Jacob used to be. Uh, the world is much quieter without him. And when I'm running or when I'm lifting and when I'm doing things now, I still I can still hear Jacob's voice in my head. We're going to jump forward a few years to or a few years to December of 2017, uh, December the 13th to be exact, which was an ordinary morning and a day that I was really looking forward to. I was working as a training manager for an assistive technology company, and I was constantly on the road. We added it up later, and I'd been on the road for something like 41, 42 weeks that year. And I had a rare day where I was getting to do some local travel, and I was supposed to go from my house to Paoli, Indiana, to work with a student and his teacher. It was a 52-mile trip. I called Lyft, hopped in the back seat, and we never got there. Uh, In Floyd County, we were hit by a driver who had fallen asleep at the wheel, veered across the highway, uh, and totaled our car, totaled his car, and for good measure, totaled two more uh, for a grand total of four. And uh, so you had cars and parts and stuff all over the place. And out of it all, miraculously, only one person sustained any significant injuries, me. Uh, Upon the impact of the car, my right hand went numb. And uh, later on, I started having severe neck, uh, shoulder, and upper body pains. I had no way of knowing it at the time, but I'd just broken two vertebrae in my neck, and I had in- and I had seriously damaged two more. So, uh, part of what was really part of what really hurt about this, besides uh, the fact that I was all banged up, is that I was supposed to leave two days later for Little Rock to run in a race that was in memory of Jacob. And at some point, apparently that afternoon, I tried to talk doctors into dosing me up with morphine, putting me on a plane and having someone push me through the marathon in Little Rock, which they promptly rejected, uh, which is probably a good thing. But the, the accident, I'd always sort of harbored a feeling in the back of my mind that I was probably invincible. And this accident put a serious uh, dent into that. And scared the heck out of me and also made life pretty difficult for a while. Uh, Stairs were scary. I was petrified of falling. Uh, If I dropped something, someone else had to pick it up. Uh, I couldn't sleep because I was wearing a neck brace and I could never get comfortable. I was in pain. My right hand didn't work. Um, Dawn got permission to work at home so that she could be there and take care of me, make sure I didn't do anything particularly dumb. That would like, I was always trying to like go outside and just take off and just do whatever because I was bored. Uh, and I hated mainly because I hated feeling vulnerable and I, I just was miserable. Uh, the next several months involved a lot of physical therapy. Feeling in my right hand uh, started to come back and the control of my hand started to come back. Uh, I do still have some permanent damage that results in it being uh, difficult to read. There's still enough numbness there that my reading. Uh, capabilities have been severely damaged. But considering what could have happened, I was extraordinarily lucky. I tell you all this because it led to, uh, I, I was trying to find a way to, be, to, to become invincible again. And I was at dinner one night in Toronto of 2017 with a blind colleague who stated rather matter-of-factly that she had just completed an Ironman. And she was about my age, didn't seem that much better shape than me. And I decided on the spot that if she could do an Ironman, I could do an Ironman, and I was going to do the Louisville Ironman in October of 2018, which gave me a year to get ready for it, which I really liked because she said that it took her two years to get ready for an Ironman. So I figured if she could do it in two, I could do it in one. Uh, The problem with all this is that I didn't really know anything about how to go about doing an Ironman. Uh, I didn't know what type of training was going to be involved. I needed a coach so that I wouldn't have to do all the research to find out about the training involved. And uh, I, I called a guy named Mike Hermanson. Mike and I had run the Louisville Marathon a few years before. I have no idea how we got paired together. Mike doesn't remember how we got paired together. We met right before the race. And somewhere in the middle of the race, when marathons, and you're, you're just kind of running tied together, you can't escape each other. And in the middle, a lot of time in the middle of the race, the running is going pretty good. And the crowd thins out, and you've sort of got the rhythm of the day 
under control. And you've got time to actually find it, find out who this person is at the other end of the rope. And as it turned out, uh, Mike was a professional triathlete. He had competed in numerous Ironman competitions. He still did. And better yet, he coached people on how to do this stuff. And I remembered all this and I called him up and I'm like, dude, I need to hire you as a coach and I need your help finding a guide so that I can do an Ironman because it's just that time of my life. And Mike agreed to actually do the thing with me. And so in one phone call, I landed a coach and I got a guide, which was an extraordinary uh, piece of luck. But there was still a ton of other stuff uh, to do with this. I, uh, For starters, I didn't have a tandem bike and I was going to need a tandem bike to be able to do the biking part of this. I didn't have, uh, it, well, I, well, I didn't know how to swim, um, which was going to be kind of a problem. I had no idea of the technical side of things that were going to be involved in making this happen. So I was getting into something that I said, that I knew nothing about and needed to learn how to do in a just super fast. And Ironman took over my life. Uh, and some of this gets a little bit technical. So bear with me here. I've kind of, I've, I've tried to make it as, Simple as I can, uh, but the way that this work it works, uh, when you hire a coach, the coach wants as much data about you as they can get. And Mike uses an app called Training Peaks, which has some serious accessibility issues. Training Peaks, if you're listening to this, get in touch with me. I'll show you how much your app could use some improvement. Um, but I needed to use Training Peaks because that's how Mike collected his data. So I needed to find apps that were accessible that I could then use for Training Peaks uh, for running. My treadmill connected to an app called RunFit. RunFit would send information from the run, how far I'd gone, how fast I'd gone, my cadence, all that stuff, right to training peaks, one down. Uh, for swimming, although I didn't know how to swim, I bought an Apple Watch to keep track of all of my, the, the data for swimming, and I could put it into a little comment section in training peaks and manually enter it. The bike was going to be a whole different story. Uh, I needed to have a a bike that I could ride in my basement when I didn't have guides that could ride with me. So I bought a street bike uh, that was a pretty good bike and then took this 45 piece, 45 pound piece of metal called a Wahoo smart trainer and stuck it on the back of the, where the tire needed to be on the back and buried inside of the Wahoo kicker smart trainer is a small computer. And what that computer does is keep track of how fast you're pedaling, how hard you're pedaling, what the resistance is, all of that kind of stuff. It can also be controlled remotely so that Mike could send me a workout. It would come to my phone through an app that was more accessible than Training Peaks. It would then get uploaded to Training Peaks. It would go to my bike. I would lose all control of the resistance on the bike. Mike would customize these workouts for me. And then at the end of the workout, Mike would get a spreadsheet through Training Peaks that would show how well I'd done with the workout. Again, you know, how much power I was generating, how fast I was pedaling, uh, everything. If I'd stopped, all that kind of good, all that kind of good stuff. So this is all sort of happening as I'm also trying to figure out how to swim. Um, and so I started taking swimming lessons and discovered that one of the effects of the accident was that I could only turn my head far enough to the left to, to breathe out of the water, out of the water on my left-hand side. Um, so I was going to have to get used to breathing on only one side, um, which is not usually a problem, but it can be a problem if you've got lots of people that are kicking water in your face on the left, on the left side when you're swimming among a bunch of people. Uh, my vision, and I have virtually no vision, but I had just a, a teeny, I, I have just enough vision to be able to see the little lanes on the bottom of the pool uh, for being able to stay in lanes. And so I could see well enough, sort of kind of was only hitting the walls occasionally uh, to be able to swim laps in a local pool. And so I started taking swimming lessons, learned how to swim, uh, got used to having jammed thumbs from when I misjudged things and slammed into the wall. Uh, and things just sort of started going very well. Ironman routine is long and it's tedious, um, but it's ever-changing. And so every day, every day when I got up, I would look in my inbox and I would have a workout from Mike and it would usually involve two of the three running, biking or swimming. Uh, I'd work out for a couple of hours after I finished my work day. 
And then weekends were just devoted to working out. I would spend afternoons in my basement or at the pool or wherever, uh, and I would just work out. And I did whatever Mike told me to do, and I didn't think twice about it. Uh, by the middle of the spring, um, swimming was was going okay. I'd gone from horrible to moderately acceptable. The bike riding was going well. The running was going well. Um, and we started to think about doing a, uh, a small triathlon. And so we signed up for a sprint triathlon. The sprint triathlon is a 12-mile bike ride. And it's an 800-meter swim, 12-mile bike ride, and a, a 10K, so it's six miles. So it's not that big of a deal, except that we'd never swam together. And I'd had some issues with sort of panic attacks with swimming uh, on my own, but I just I didn't worry about it. And I just figured, whatever. Mike and I had never swam together. And when you swim with another person, you're literally tied to them with a rope as your guide. And why we thought it was a good idea to do a triathlon before we had ever tried to swim together, I have no idea. It was not our smartest move. And we're standing, this was the, the 800 meters were in a pool. We're standing in this pool and it was loud. It was noisy. Uh, it was disjointed. I, 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 and I panicked and I, I just freaked. And about 25 meters into our, our 800 meter swim, I stopped and I put my feet down and I yelled, I don't want to do this. And Mike very calmly yelled, it's a little late to decide you're going to do that now, dog paddle. So I did. Uh, and I would try to put my head underwater and the walls would start to crush in around me and I'd freak out and I'd bring, take my head out of the water. And we, it was the longest 800 meters of my life. And I was pretty convinced afterward that I was going to get fired as an athlete, that Mike was just going to have had enough. Uh, and in just a wonderful way that Mike is just very, I don't know how to describe Mike other than he's just always even keel. He was just like, swimming can be scary. Let's go. And that was the end of it, uh, which was it, 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 scary. But, uh, you know, I figured, what the heck, I'll take it. When you swim Ironman, it's an open water swim, which means you're swimming in the river. And so I started swimming in the river. I got folks to swim with. I started having more problems with panic attacks. I would get out in open water and uh, the walls would just close in. And I just felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, so I discovered Xanax, which helped tremendously with uh, sort of calming things down a bit uh, before, doing, uh, before swims. And uh, so we signed up for a second triathlon, which involved doing a mile and a, a mile and a fifth swim in the river, uh, and then I think it was like a thirty mile bike ride. And I can't remember how long the run was. It didn't matter. All I cared about was the swimming. Uh, I took my Xanax, and we hopped in the water, and we tied ourselves together, and off we went. And it was terrible, but it was survivably terrible. And so I was starting to feel pretty good about things. And uh, at that point, Iron Man was just, I think, six eight weeks away. And we'd kind of mastered the whole swimming thing where I was only afraid of it instead of deeply terrified. And so we were ready to go. And I, I could see the end in sight. And uh, we had a whole batch of t-shirts made up that say Speedy Turtle, because that's what I feel like towards the end of a race. Um, my sisters said they were going to come in for the race. And uh, everything was, was golden until two days before the Ironman when... Algae and sludge and other nasty stuff in the river made them cancel the swim, and which just proved that I'd been right all along that swimming was indeed unhealthy. Um, and I was kind of relieved, and I was also crushed. Uh, I'd worked really hard on that swim, and I wanted that swim, and I wasn't going to get it. So, you know, at that point, you just figure you get what you get. I'm going to take this thing in stride, and we're just going to do it. And uh, we did. And I think it probably took a ton of pressure off of doing it. And the, the, the morning of Iron Man was, 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 was gorgeous. I kissed my wife, hugged my sisters, and off we went. We had an amazing bike ride. <laughs> and then you come back in between stages. You run back into this little tent, and you've got everything. Is, and there's no way of describing this, but everything is just down to... The, 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 it's incredibly organized. You know exactly where your stuff is. You know exactly where your bike is. Um, you know, you, everything is marked out and it doesn't, it, it doesn't vary. And you zoom back in and you really don't change clothes in between like the, the, the bike and the run or anything. You just change shoes and off you go. And the, the first half of the run went really well, probably the first 14 or 15 miles. And then it started to sort of slow down a little bit. 
And a few miles later, we were walking and I just figured, I don't care. I don't care if I finish in 4,575th place or 5,273rd place or whatever it's going to be. The finish line is coming up and we're going to cross it. And the afternoon stretched into evening and it was dark and the streetlights came on and we made it. And it was absolutely epic. But what I learned out of it is that it was a team effort all the way. Uh, If I was invincible, it was because we were invincible. Um, My wife had an incredible amount of patience. She put up with hours and hours of loud music in the basement from bad rock groups. She made sure that I had Gatorade. Uh, She would come and check on me and make sure that I had water. Uh, she would tell me that things were okay when I had bad workouts. She would celebrate with me when I had good workouts. She's just the most incredibly patient, wonderful person alive. I had friends that would back me, that were behind me on this. My sisters, it was really sweet for them to come in. I had friends who would just call in to see what the workouts were for the day. And it was just, it, it, was, it was an amazing experience to have that type of level of support behind you. But the swim had gotten canceled. And so as a result, I signed up for Louisville Ironman 2020. Um, We all know what happened in 2020. Shocking news. Ironman didn't happen. COVID kind of killed the whole thing. And uh, and now Louisville doesn't have an Ironman anymore. So I've signed up for the Sacramento Ironman in 2021. I have a new guide. Mike and his wife just had their second baby. And Mike is not doing another Ironman. So I've found another guide, a gentleman by the name of Julian, and we are still both waiting for to, to finish up on our vaccinations before we actually start training together. And then we'll start uh, riding and running and tying ourselves together and jumping into the river and swimming. I could keep going about all, all kinds of bizarre things uh, in Ironman. There, there are so many just odd things. Uh, one, of the, one of the weirdest ones being, and this is a little... It's a little gross, but this is the way athletes are. I do not fall into this group, but a lot of a, a lot of athletes consider the porta potties along the side to be there for decoration. And if they need to pee, man, I can't do that. Um, and one of the first times that we were on a tandem bike, Mike just very call, casually announced up on the front of the bike, "Well, I guess I can't pee; it'll blow back on you." And I'm like, "Well, thank you. I'm really glad to hear that you're taking me into consideration." And uh, there's just some really strange things that triathletes do they'll you know professionals will do anything to shave off time and that was just one of them uh you learn tons about your guide uh as you're doing this it's a it's a very intimate relationship you're as close as you can possibly be for incredibly long periods of time and you build up an unbelievable amount of trust in each other uh and faith in each other and you have to have that in order to make this work I could keep going about just sort of different silly things that are a part of this, but at this point, we'll open it up for questions. Uh, But understand that I've been extraordinarily fortunate to be able to do this. It took just the right set of circumstances to be able to do it. And when you're looking at, at getting up and getting moving, don't think you have to start with something like this. It took me a long time to get to that point. So we'll open it up and take questions. And uh, for those of you who don't stick around for the questions bit, thank you all again for letting me hang out with you this evening. Okay. If you would like to ask a question, please raise your hand and Linda will recognize you. I didn't see hands yet, so I'm going to ask a question if that's okay. All right. Do you mind telling us what vertebrae you broke? (laughs) You know, I was afraid you were going to ask this. I, I broke... Is it C or T that's the highest ones? It was I think C three and C three and C three and C four, and then I and, and then I damaged C five and C six. So you're fused from C C three down. I actually did not have. To, it's this is a that's a really complicated question that the they did not fuse it for fear of doing more damage to the nerve. Oh really? Um, no. Um, so I am, I, and I was extraordinarily lucky that I, and I still have a decent amount of movement in my neck, especially if I turn to the left, I have very little mobility when I turn to the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. My husband is fused from C th- one through seven. So I, of course I know too much about it. <laughs> yeah. I was such a baby during this thing. And my, my wife, m- my poor wife, it was, and 
the bit, the most, the, the question I was asked most after I got hurt, as soon as people found out that I was going to like live was what is Dawn going to do with you? How is she going to survive? Um, <laughs> and, and I had some really stupid ideas about all oh, what a month after the accident, I decided that I needed to be in Florida for a group for some meetings that were happening through work. And I bought a plane ticket and I, I couldn't get my socks on by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't get a shirt on by myself. And Dawn was just like, what the heck are you going to do? How are you, how are you going to get to the airport? How are you actually going to get dressed for these meetings that you need to be at in Florida? And she just went berserk and canceled the flights and was like, you can't do this. Um, you've, you've, you've got to come back to reality. And I, I was mad. I was really, really mad. Um, I don't like no. And I didn't like that I was dead wrong. And it was really upsetting to me. Um, and it was just psychologically an extraordinarily difficult time. Well, I find this fascinating. I'm amazed. I mean, I find it fascinating that you've done this at all, but with the neck injury, of course, having, like I say, some experience, I just find it amazing, and, and I'm glad you shared with us. Patty has her hand up. Patty, if you want to unmute. Am I unmuted? You are, ma'am. You are. Okay. So, so you actually practice in the river? Yes. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm just curious on uh, well like like if there's certain times that you do it or you just you know hope a barge doesn't come through or what we or do you swim, go to a certain part <laughs> we go to a certain part of the river that's down by the the there's some docks here in Louisville that a lot of pleasure craft take off from that's not really a big boating part of the river is at least as far as big craft go um and and you do a number of things to make sure that you're that people can see you you swim with a buoy tied behind you that's floating that's it, it's inflatable that's like why that's bright colors um you swim in groups and i, I, I swim as as part of a couple of different groups and there's a someone on a kayak who's out in the river sort of being a, a floating lifeguard making sure that all people are accounted for. Um, so you do a number of things to make sure that you're uh, safe. Also, you've, I, I found somebody who has a house along the river. Um, and so she's agreed to let me use her house for, uh, as a point of entry for the river uh, for, the, for this next training season. So that helps a lot. So you, yeah, you, 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 you try to stay away from the big boats. but but it is and i cannot it is scary as hell losing your not not having look at what you're going into though i mean i'd be scared just to think about putting my skin in it but you know i think i think that that usually helps me but in this instance not knowing that there's not a bottom and when my head's underwater, I can't hear, and I can't see where I'm going. And the the, the sensory deprivation really just flipped me out. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely hard to get used to. And I, I'm probably, I'll go through a period of wigging out again this spring when we jump back in the water. But Dave, the Ohio <laughs> River is not the cleanest place in the world. <laughs> I am convinced. It, it, that it, I would have to be blind to get in it. <laughs> I am convinced I mean, that I have been vaccinated against COVID by jumping in the Ohio. Um. <laughs> Linda, do we have another question? We do from Adam. Adam? <laughs> I was wondering, Dave, uh, on the rules of a competition, for instance, when you do your bike riding as a tandem team do, do they take that into consideration against the other riders who are riding single bikes they do and there are this brings up a huge debate um for which there is no answer um it is not necessarily faster to ride a tandem than a than a regular bike you would think that it would be until you start going up steep hills and then it is slow um but yes you are in your own category one of the more depressing, there, there were very few things that depressed me about my Iron Man, but one thing that really made me sad is there was a grand total of one other person in my category. Mm. Um, and we beat him by a couple of hours, which is just lame. Um, I, w- I, w- I want competition. Um, so, 
yes, you are. There are rules for everything. There are rules on how long your rope can be when you're running, how long your rope can be when you're swimming. There are, there are more rules than you would ever possibly imagine. Um, you have to use the same guide for all three sports. Um, that one seems silly to me. But you do. I think you'd have a lot more participation if you could have have different guides as you're going along. Um, but everything is regulated. Donna, you can unmute. Uh, hello, Dave. This is Donna Brown from West Virginia, and I, I've done. Hey, um, I know you. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> Had no idea you were doing Ironmans, and oh my gracious! Anyway, <laughs> um, I've done sprint triathlons. Uh, I, I'm not into that Good Iron Man stuff. <laughs> Good for you. Stop but while you're it, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, you kind of answered one of my questions. Um, you have to have the same person, you know, to do all three parts with you. And, and yes. that limits or it can limit the the opportunities for triathlons. Um, so I went just went into the sprint thing and I just decided I wasn't going to worry about because I really wanted to do them. And yeah. I, I couldn't have the same person do all all the parts I, I did in one. Um, right. Tri- uh, but the others, I, I, just, I, I just couldn't, you know, it just wasn't going to work. Right. Um, so and I just cares? went in and did it. Uh, yeah. Who cares? You're still going to y- get yeah. the finisher's medal and there's no one else there to argue. So you're not going to get disqualified. So right. who cares? <laughs> right. So, um, but one question I had, I, I, and I guess maybe I missed it somewhere along the way. I heard you say you swim um, with a, a rope uh, to your guide or. or you do. Okay. When yeah. I did, I, I didn't, um, of course, I, you know, I was doing a lot shorter swim than, than you were. Right. Um, I, I just, every time I turned my head to the right, um, you know, my guide would say something or, or, or they would tap my shoulder or whatever, you know, if right. I went, I, I just, I couldn't, we tried the rope and it just, you know, maybe I would have gotten used to it had I made myself get used to it. <laughs> But um, I, I just couldn't do that. So I was going more with verbal sounds. I don't like it. I don't like the rope. I like nothing about the swimming. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> and I remember that. I mean, I'm a pool swimmer. You know, I was a Paralympic yeah. pool swimmer and stuff. Um, so that first time I got into that lake, uh, it was a lake that, that I got into um, and, you know, practiced with the open water. It was it was like I didn't know how to swim. I, I oh, was, yeah, it, it, I can't even uh, describe it. It was terrible. I, in fact, I, I, I almost said, I'm not going to do this triathlon. I thought, no, I can't do that. You know, but anyway, it, it's, it's a whole different ball game it is. Than, than a pool. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. I would well, agree. Congratulations. And, and well, good thank luck you. And wow. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. Sure. Um, Eugene. Better than Eugene, you can unmute. Can you hear me? We can. Yes. All right. The question, do you wear an inflatable life jacket in case you get out there and you get the cramps and you start to go down, you can inflate it so you don't drown? The inflatable buoy that you've got hooked to your belt will work as a life jacket and you can grab onto it so that you do have something that will float that will hold you up. Yes. All right. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I know. I know what it's like to be out in the water because I'm retired Navy. So you know, when you're thousands of miles out in the water, you you worry about that when the boat has to go down or something. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you. Good Thank job. you. Thank Debbie you. Debbie Green. Debbie Green. You can unmute. Yes, and. Thank you for your service, uh, retired Navy guy. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, uh, Dave, you said that you were in a category all your own, or there was only a, one other person in the category. Uh, what were your categories? Was that was that age related or skill related, or what? What's, no, how the, the, the only way that you can compete in a triathlon as a person with a disability is to be in your is in the sort of disabled category. Right. Um, and so, you know, you it, it, when when I used to do marathons and stuff, I never. I, n- I never self-disclosed. I would just show up with a guide and they didn't care as long as, you know, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was like, whatever for this. And, and, and part of this again is because especially during things like Ironman and half Ironman, you, uh, they, they can track you on the course. They know who's out there. They know where you are. 
Um, okay. you're, uh, you're, 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 you're wearing a little, a, a band that has a GPS receiver in it. Um, which is cool for the spectators because they know where you are, but right. all, if, for all of that stuff, they, they want to know, they want, they don't want to lose anyone. And so you have to disclose as someone with a disability in order to be able to get your guide in. Um, and it's, and, and these things are expensive. These things are about 800 bucks to enter. And so the other reason that you do it is that then they'll, they'll let your guide do it for free since they're guiding you, you know, and it saves you 800 bucks. Right. For sure. <laughs> so, so are there often, are there other, the other participants in that category are people with have that have other disabilities other than blindness? I have never in my, in my limited triathlon experience, I have not come across other disabilities other than vision impairment. There could be, um, okay. but it would be really hard for someone who, you know, uh, you know, yeah, like a paraplegic yeah. or something to be able to sure. do the, the, you know, it, it would, it'd be very hard, for, but I'm sure there are people out there who've done it. Um, there was an awesome YouTube video of a kid with down syndrome recently who completed an Iron Man, oh, which was oh. just wicked cool. That's great. It was, it was awesome. So is ski for light still in, in operation? I did a ski yes. for light event in New York back decades ago, which, and I agree it was wonderful, but it was only, I mean, where's the closest to here? Ski for light is still in operation. They're doing their event next year in Granby, Colorado. Wow. Uh, you can go to their website at sfl.org. There's also a fantastic group in Canada. I'm on the board for Ski for Light Canada, so we'll throw in a plug for them. They okay. do some amazing skiing in uh, Alberta, uh, a couple, about 70, 80 miles outside of Calgary. Uh, it's, it's a bit more rustic than the, than the American event, but it is some fantastic skiing. Okay, great. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. And Ski for Light is awesome. Probably it is. It's, 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 it's awesome. Great. One of my favorite things I got to do at Ski for Light, this would only be my favorite because it's me, is I skied into a tree. Oh, no. And uh, then I skied several kilometers, bleeding from the head, and I oh. had the best time. Um, <laughs> oh, <my new> day. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Any more hands? <laughs> yes, John Ross, you may unmute. Are you there? John, you're still muted. Try oh, oh, hey, John. Hello. There you go. Hey, there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, my qu question is: How long from start to finish is an actual iron man? It is. Oh, I'm gonna have to do the math. Was 112 miles plus 26 miles plus 2.4 miles? It's 140.8, I think. I mean, uh, you know, time. <laughs> Well, I know, will finish with the swim. I will finish an iron. I will finish the Sacramento Ironman in under fourteen hours. Wow! Um, I, I, I think that's a, a, a reasonable uh, expectation. We did Louisville Ironman without the swim in about eleven forty, and we could have done the swim in about an hour and a half. And so that would have been well under. That would have been under fourteen, or right 14 at about hours? fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. The people who win it do it in about eight. I don't like them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any more questions for John? There are no more hands right now. Well, we've got time for maybe one or two more if anybody has another question. Well, Dave? Okay. Yes, well, Jeff. Oh, wait. Je I'm sorry. Did. Yeah. Jeff M., you may unmute. When uh, when you're doing a triathlon, does the media kind of glom on to you as, um, oh, wow, it's a blind man doing a triathlon? <laughs> that is a really good question. And it, it, Carla, if, if, it, I won't take up too much time, but let me get a couple minutes to answer that. I tried to be super quiet in my Ironman, and I made a fatal mistake, which is when you fill out the application for Ironman, there's a little section where they want to know what your story is. And I put no story, just time to do an Ironman. And I figured that'll take care of that. I won't have to worry about anything. And I was dead wrong. Uh -huh. The Ironman people flagged it. And a couple weeks beforehand, they called me and they're like, we want to do this video on this awesome, amazing blind guy doing an Ironman, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want to do a video with an awesome, amazing blind guy doing a video. I don't want to inspire anyone. I don't want to deal with it. I have no interest whatsoever. 
And they're like, okay, let's do it anyway. <laughs> and, and we finally, and, and, and if, if we had video, I would show it this evening. It was actually an amazing video. We, they don't say a word. It's just me and Mike talking back and forth. And there are pictures of us um, on the bike and swimming. And there's a picture of me and Jacob when we finished our first marathon. Um, and it was just a really neat video where we just talked about some of the things that we did uh, to prepare for this and about the bond that we developed during it. And it ended up being a really fantastic video. And if anyone is interested in seeing it, uh, if you shoot me an email at dave at speedyturtle.net, that's dave at S-P-E-E-D-Y-T-U-R-T-L-E.net, I will send you a link to it. Um, but after, after not wanting to do it and saying there wasn't a story, I've, I was wrong. There was a lot of a story. I just hadn't figured it out yet. Oh, I was going to ask the, you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Part of the job, I think, of a, someone like you with a vision disability is to kind of be the ambassador for all the other fully sighted people who are, you know, don't have a clue. And um, I, my problem with that, and I would tend to ag- probably agree, even though I don't want to agree, I was really worried about the anxiety of swimming. Um, I was worried about just the pressure of never having done one before. And I wasn't sure if I wanted that kind of pressure on me, um, which is very selfish. But that was sort of what my reasoning behind it was. Okay. I think we have one more hand. Yeah, hold on just a minute. I want to quickly say that um, the, the next family's meeting will be the first Sunday in April. And that is going to be a business meeting so we can complete just put the finishing touches on our convention planning, but uh, we will also be having another program in April. And Leslie has her hand up. So Leslie, go ahead. Hi, Dave. Um, I am in Sacramento. And, Yay! Um, I'm going to be there in October and then back in December for the, <laughs> for the California International Marathon. Okay, that's what Do I you know of any know. cheap places to stay. Um, yes, that's what I wanted to find out when that was. <laughs> so that's it's o- October the 24th. It's a week before Halloween. My wife okay. is going to be there. One sister is flying in. I've got a good friend coming in. This is going to be my second and final Ironman because it's taking up way too much of my life. Okay. Um, okay, great. We'll, we'll have to get in contact with you. Come on out. We'll have you part of Team Speedy Turtle. Okay, we will. I, I, I'll have Jeff and I do that. Fantastic. Shoot me an email at dave at speedyturtle.net and let's talk because that would be okay. awesome. All right. That sounds great. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we are about out of time. Do we have a couple more minutes, Debbie? Four, yes, three, you do. You have a couple more. And I am sorry again about Mr. Technology screwing up the technology in the beginning. Well, Way that to happens to all best of us. <laughs> yeah. Dave, we really appreciate you being here with us tonight. And um, uh, we, we look forward to hearing about how you do in the competition. And uh, again, everyone, remember that our next meeting is on Sunday, April 4. And uh, that will be a business meeting, 9 o'clock. And then... The uh, two weeks after that, we will have another program. We appreciate everyone being here. Thanks again, Linda, for, for hosting. And thanks, Debbie, for streaming. We appreciate everybody coming.